0: Welcome to the Red Letters Podcast. In this podcast, we explore topics that can be life-transforming while delivering a message of hope. Hello, and thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. Today, we're going to continue with our testimony series, if you will, as we talk about Ida and how she came to the knowledge of God. When, when was the initial time that you actually either felt God interact or touch your life? You felt His presence, something that you just knew it was outside of the natural, and it was God uh, intervening in your life. When would you say that began or when that started?
1: I want to say the first encounter I ever had with God was back in 1990. I believe that's the year uh, my dad passed away. I remember being in my room, and I was high on crystal meth. And I was suffering from depression at the time, or manic depression. And I remember sitting at my desk, and normally I would write letters to myself or just write my thoughts on a piece of paper and or clean my room. And that night I couldn't sleep. So I just remember I was sitting at my desk. I didn't really know what to write about or anything like that. But I remember just the thoughts that came to my head at that time where I was just really tired of suffering and thinking about taking my own life that i remember just praying that night and asking god or not asking god because i didn't really know of god but i said i remember dropping to my knees and i remember just closing my eyes and saying god if if you're real if you exist i'm i'm just i remember just telling him i was just tired i was so sick and tired. And I said, there's got to be more to life than, than just this and, and the way I'm feeling and stuff like that. And I just remember feeling this overwhelming presence in my room, but it was a love that I can't explain. It was something that was honestly supernatural to me at the time. And I just remember crying and weeping and I just felt like somebody holding me and I almost felt like somebody telling me, you're going to be okay. And just feeling that presence of love. It was just a supernatural love. You know, I didn't see anybody, but I just felt this overwhelming presence. But it was good. It was it was just something that was, um, for me, the beginning of, of my life turning around.
2: Did you, were you ever introduced as a kid to God? Or did you have anyone in your family? Like, were you in a Christian home?
1: No, I grew up. My dad was an atheist. He was an un, not a, he was not a practicing master mason, but he, he was a master mason. I found out. My mom was a practicing witch. She was in deep into witchcraft, and and I remember at nine years old, um, in elementary school, running to the library when I got a chance to look for um, books on on demons. And I knew they were demons because, of course, you know, you watch The Exorcist and, and movies like that, you know, that I was introduced to at a young age. But I remember um, going to the library looking for books because I wanted to know about this stuff. If it, because in my, in my gut, I felt it was bad, even though my mom said that she was a white witch, a good witch. I just didn't believe that, you know, it just something told me something's wrong. Anyways, that was the beginning of my search for something more greater, more spiritual. I wanted to know if it really existed. Did God exist? Did Is there, you know, did the devil exist? And stuff like that. So that would be the beginning. It started at an early age.
2: Do you think because grandma practiced witchcraft and you experienced that, when you felt the presence in your room, you were able to decipher like okay this isn't what I've normally seen
1: well when it was a demon of course you it, you you knew it was because it's just this ugly fear this ugliness just came over you right that you just this is wrong you know didn't feel right when God's presence would show up it was something different it was it was something peaceful something loving something good you weren't used to it. Yeah, and and I wasn't afraid of it.
2: And was that when you decided to give your life to God? No. When what happened after that encounter?
1: I just started searching. I remember my sister and I we would church hop. I would even church hop with my younger brother. We'd go to different churches just trying to, you know, hear messages and things like that and but it wasn't until I want to say I think I was I was 17 18, I had an, another encounter, which looking back is crazy because even the name of the person, you know, which I was at my sister's shop, and it was at night, maybe you know, nine o'clock, eight, nine o'clock, and I was waiting for my for for my sister and my um, brother-in-law to come pick me up, and I remember sitting down, and this guy walks in, very clean olive skin, curly hair, and he came in and he introduced himself as Gabriel. And he told me, he said, um, he said, since I'm here, you know, why don't you cut me a key? And I said, I said, okay, I said, okay. And then I got grabbed the key and, and I cut it. And then after I cut it and mind you, I had my dog with me too, because my dog, normally she's very protective and she's alert but she was very peaceful in the corner laying down. So she wasn't even moving. Now was something I noticed that night too. And anyways, after I cut the key, I gave it to him and I told him how much it was. And out of the same pocket, he pulled the key. He told me, or he pulled out the exact change and he laid it on the counter. So it's not something he just pulled out of a wallet, nothing. He just pulled it out of the same pocket, put it on the counter and I took it. And I didn't think nothing of it, you know, at the time. And so after that, you know, of course, I put in the register and I look at him and then he goes, you know, since I'm here, there's been some things you've been asking God. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it happened. This happened after, about a week after I had the first encounter, because I remember uh, in my bedroom, because if I go back and, and remember is that night when I was asking God, if you're real, show me you're real. And I began asking questions and so when his presence showed up that was the beginning the first encounter but the second was like about a week later now that i remember it was about a week later and i had that encounter and the guy who introduced himself as gabriel he turned around and said since i'm here there were you've been there's been some questions you were asking god and i'm here to answer them right. and he just began answering all the questions that i had i don't remember you know, all the details of those questions have been so long, but he ended up answering all the questions. And I was just like looking at him because nobody knew. Nobody knew those questions but God at that time. And looking back now, Gabriel being God's messenger angel in the Bible, I look at that and God sending somebody to answer my questions for me. And that was like the beginning, beginning of me believing that God, you really exist. But I didn't quite turn around my life until I was 22.
2: What? Wait, what was the, when, when did you encounter the angel?
1: It was in 1990.
2: But how old were you?
1: Let's see, I, 22, I was 90. No, 92, I was 22. Wait, so wait. I was 22.
2: Wait, so then the you encountered him <laughs> <born in laughs> yeah. the year before? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> if you were born in <laughs> 70. Uh, yeah. it, was so it was around 1990. Yeah. yeah. So two years oh, later. Oh, you are 20. I was twenty, yeah, twenty, and right, then two I guess years so, later, yeah. you gave your life to God. Is that what yes, you're saying? Yes. Why that did you time? wait two years if that's what I was thinking? Well, that's such a profound experience. Yeah, yeah, and I would, I would go to a church immediately if I was like because oh, I, enjoy- I wasn't.
1: I guess I wasn't quite ready to. Why? Well, I, I, I want to say realistically that maybe I wasn't ready. I didn't think I was ready, and I was still, I was still, you know, I, I guess I had those experiences, but maybe I wasn't hundred percent convinced convinced mm-hmm. and ready. I, th- I don't think I was ready mm-hmm. to change yet, to turn my life around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that quite meant to turn my life around. Yeah. I didn't understand, oh, because back then I didn't think, oh, I have to say a sinner's prayer and I have to do this. Yeah. And I have to do that. Right. All I knew is, okay, God must exist, but still in the process from that time mm-hmm. to when I got saved, I ended up having your older brother, Anthony, because I got pregnant but mm-hmm. then prior when I was 21 I actually tried taking my life. So I believe it was yeah because it was a year later that from wow. that time that I gave my I got pregnant not too mm-hmm. long after I had tried that.
2: Yeah.
0: So it sounds like God was kind of setting the stage to introduce himself to you. It almost feels that way. When was it that you were presented the gospel or you the the choice To begin serving him and getting to know him, when did that come and how did that come about?
1: Well, honestly, it happened. I remember leaving Anthony the night, one night I left Anthony with with grandma and and I went out to go to a party and when I went to the party, it didn't feel the same. Mm. That's when I felt like, okay, this, something's happening to me inside.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: It didn't feel the same and... I turned around and I remember going home, looking at. I, I, oh know Grandma was mad at me because I didn't come home till the next day. <laughs> I stayed out at all least night. The party wasn't that good. It wasn't, but it was at a friend's <laughs> it house. Was it wasn't that good, but a party. It was at a friend's house, and so I stayed there all night. And then I came back the next day, and she got angry. And I remember just grabbing Anthony and I went to the room, and I just was I was just staring at him, and then I just looked into him and I was like, and that's when I asked God. In the bedroom, I said, "God, I said, I'm sorry, you know." And and I said, "I don't want Anthony to grow up, you know, experiencing what I experienced, or go through life that the way I went through life." Mm-hmm. And and I just remember grabbing him and holding him. And telling myself that I wasn't going to let him go through life the way I went through life. And um, and it was probably a little bit after that. I think three months after. Because well, Anthony was, I think, three months. No, Anthony was two months old. No, one month old when I got saved, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, Or was it three? Anyways, my time's... Honestly, my time limits are not <laughs> all right. You know, it could have been yeah. three what or whatever. But anyways, it was a little bit after. My friend Rosemary at the time, she invited me to church, her and her mom. And, um, and that's when I went to church. And I remember sitting in service and I just knew inside of me that that was the time to really just turn my life around and give my life to God. And and at that time, the person preaching had said a lot of stuff. And, you know, when you sit in church and you think that the preacher's speaking to you or you feel like somebody told him all your life,
2: <laughs> everything, and you feel like, okay, how does he know?
1: <laughs> but at that time, that's when I just decided that I was all in. And I, I remember going up to the altar and that night God literally changed my life. Like I didn't... Mm-hmm. It wasn't something, a process or anything, because Mm -hmm. I think I was just done. You were done. I was Mm -hmm. done. And I just surrendered, and God just removed the the crystal meth, the smoking, the drinking, everything, you know, just took it away from me, and I didn't desire it ever again. You know, even the cussing, because I used to, every word that came out of my mouth was a really ugly cuss word, and... I did that was my language you know the mm-hmm. that's when I hear people you know that's what I sounded like but he took that away from me like I didn't struggle with having to try to stop cussing you know it just literally lifted off of me everything I felt at that moment I was genuinely God had changed me he cleaned me he cleansed me you know like he took everything from me and I didn't want to go back
0: mm-hmm. were was there any like people either close friends? Um, I know you mentioned Rosemary and her mom and their family, but even family members that had a Christian influence on you that, what do you call it, that served God and kind of were there to either plant seeds or lead you along the way?
1: Well, I remember because we were supposed to have moved to Puerto Rico when I was seven, and my aunt whose name, who my mom named me after. She was, um, a really strong believer and a woman that prayed and loved God. And she took me from my mom to live with her for the six months that we were in Puerto Rico. And we lived, her house was pretty much on top of, uh, the children's church. And then The church literally, you could stick your hand out the window probably and touch the church, (laughs) but we lived right next door to the church. And I remember experiencing, you know, the Pentecostal or apostolic Mm -hmm. church. I'm not sure if it was Pentecostal or apostolic, but that's when I was starting to be introduced to religion, Mm -hmm. but didn't quite understand it and found out later on from my cousin who was a pastor she um it was her mom mm-hmm. she would tell me that my aunt would pray for me as a baby because i i didn't know i was in puerto rico as a baby <laughs> mm-hmm. so and the same thing my aunt took me and and for some reason you know my aunt loved me and and she would pray for me and she would um and i really believe it's her prayers that carried me through my life mm-hmm. to now you know um, And I want to say my cousin, who's a pastor, because she would vi- you know, visit on and off. I remember as a kid growing up, she would come to the house, and every time she would come to the house, things would manifest in the house. It's like the devil knew she was in the house, and yeah. even the dog was possessed at one point. Right? Yeah. Auntie Lydia's No, is oh, Tina. Was like it's Vin. a dog named Tina. And because... I lived in Wait, a house. The
2: Tina, that's still alive. Tina, no, no, no.
1: this oh, was a, I was. Like, oh, I don't know dang. why she Uncle, loved that oh. name for all yeah, the dogs, but, like, but yeah, a dog name. named Tina. I don't know.
0: That's
2: and a thing. so yeah,
1: no. This and then even when she would sleep in my room, they would manifest. They didn't want her in my room. Wow. They things would break, and and I had an owl, this big ceramic, beautiful owl, and it blew up, and. But that was, I was 17 years old when she was visiting at that time. And, that's, and she even spoke into my life. I remember that time. She was trying to help me, mm. you know, because I started suffering with the manic depression at 14. And then that also, God delivered me from that.
0: So w- would you say that it kind of started with your aunt as a child? Was she like the first one that you think made some... Like intervene through prayer and stuff like that and speaking and loving you the way she did. Did you would you say that's where it started?
1: She didn't really speak into me because I was
0: I well, was I'm only saying caring seven. for you and, and Yeah, she you, taught that's...
1: me a lot like manners and how to sit appropriately and things like that. Which, you know, with my mom and dad, we pretty much lived doing what we wanted to do. We didn't have really no discipline or structure in the home. And my dad was always working three jobs and my mother was in and out of the bar, you know, and she was doing her, her thing and bingo gambling. So we pretty much, we had the freedom to do whatever we wanted. And I'll share the biggest part of my testimony. I really believe, okay. Cause I did. And I want to share this because I believe it will help somebody out there. And I believe right now, because we're going through, it's one of the, I think the biggest things right now that that a lot of our young adults, even adults and people, even believers suffer from, and that's depression. I remember, of course, 14 years old, and that's kind of like, because I started doing drugs technically when I was 11. I started smoking marijuana. And then it wasn't until I was 17, or no, 16, 16, 17, that's when I got into crystal meth. But during that season of 14 to, to the time I got saved, I suffered from manic depression. you going to see this psychiatrist every day because it was either that or be locked up in a mental hospital. And I didn't want to be locked up, and my dad forbid me to be put in a hospital. So the agreement was for me to check in every single day because I had a death wish. I didn't want to live. And I hated life. And if I can go back and look at the root of the cause of that was probably the night that I was in the room that my mother came home drunk from the bar. And I was awake, the only person awake in the house. And I went to her room and she had asked me for some water. I went to get water. And after I gave her water, that's when one of the demons manifested in her. So there is a such thing as possession and I remember it wasn't funny, you know. I've told her, Mom, you're scaring me, this, this, and that. And and I remember my sister, when we used to church hop, she told me one day, my um, your oldest aunt told me one day, says, you know, if you ever encounter the devil, just say I rebuke you in <laughs> Jesus' name. And I remember rebuking it, you know, and it would growl at me and yell at me or get mad at me. And then I remember my... I went, ran and got my other sister. She came in and started yelling at my mom, look what you're doing in front of your daughter and you're scaring her. But long story short, I remember her laying on the bed and she looks up and she says, nobody loves me. And those words stuck to me because in my depression, time of depression, I kept saying, nobody loves me. Mm. And I kept saying that I didn't feel love. And even though I had both parents living in the house, I didn't feel that love that I craved that my friends had some of my friends had, but I remember, you know, thinking about that. So I believe that that was the root of just not feeling loved. And during my, my, and, and, and I would say after my dad passed that year, my depression escalated. And during that year, and that's the year when I said I was sick and tired of being sick and tired is because I wanted to take my life. And I was contemplating that night. Maybe this is the night. And I used to sleep with a knife under my bed or pillow. And I said, One day I'm gonna just, you know, I'm do it. And that's when I had Fell into my knees and and started crying and seeking God and everything like this. And if you're real, then I need you to show me you're real because I need to know: is there something, you know, is there more to life to live for than this? And that's the the reality of it. Was I was searching for more than what I I said? If this is what life is like, then I don't want to live in it, right? And so, that's when God began supernaturally, I believe, because for me, it was supernatural showing himself to me and helping me to see that there was more than this. And so that same year from the time after that encounter from, I believe, God's messenger angel in the shop, shortly after I did try taking my life. And I was in the hospital and everything. And, and I remember when the ambulance was taking me, I remember all I remember is telling God, God, again, if you're real, I don't want to die. And I remember waking up in the emergency room, them trying to pump my stomach and everything. And a week after that in the hospital, I remember, I guess this is to me, another of the final kind of like, proof that God was real was when a team of doctors came into my room and looked at me and said, you know, you're Miss." at the time I made a name. They called me, um, Miss LaMare. They said at that time, they said, you know, you're a miracle. You shouldn't be here right now. And, and I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, because of what you took, you should have died. What, what you took should have, um, basically got my exploded my liver or bursted my damaged my liver completely and they said um and they said because even the time in the emergency room that was another miracle because we were pumping my stomach and there was nothing there and they even questioned did you really take what you said and I said no I took what I said but God had already removed it out of my body I believe and I lived and after that you know later on I got Pregnant, And that's when I said, okay, now I, I, I just felt like I was, I was ready, 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 ready. But there was just a whole process in my life that I went through. And I, and I believe I don't look back and regret anything that I went through because I see where God can use me in those areas. Right. So I don't have regrets mm-hmm. that I grew up this way or that way, or had these parents because I love my mom and dad no matter what. I love them. Despite the environment or the household I grew in, I love them. And so that's something that I never, you know, threw in my parents' face or anything like that because looking back now, I see that God was already, you know what I mean? And I really believe that God even was pouring his love into me, you know, that agape love, even prior because to be able to protect me and and to keep me from even blaming my parents because I have siblings that blame my parents for certain things and it's excuses for how they're living now, but I never did that.
2: And then for those listening, if they can relate to your story, but maybe they're not on the other side yet, or they're still getting nudges from God and visitations from God, but they haven't I guess you could say answered the call. Is there maybe some advice or words of wisdom you can give them? Or maybe they're even at the end of their rope and they're like, I'm tired too. What would you say to them?
1: Well, first of all, I'm not a doctor or anything. And and of course I have to say, if you're at that point, seek help. You know, don't wait, just call somebody. But for me, I really believe with my whole heart that, during that time that God answered me, mm-hmm. He knew my heart, and He knew I was sincere, and He knew I was in deep, or you could say, in pursuit of Him, mm-hmm. and wanting to know, "Do you exist?" Mm-hmm. And I believe that if somebody's out there that's going through it, I believe that if you, if you take the time and you and you and you pray mm-hmm. and you seek out God and you pour out your heart to him with all sincerity, you know, I really believe he's going to answer. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I, I was searching, I was seeking, you know, and, and and I believe if you give God the opportunity and the chance to reveal himself to you, he will. Right. Sometimes it could be through a person. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, just like that person that came, you know, he was human, <laughs> but I really believe it was an angel. Because after he left the shop, he disappeared. He didn't come in a car, nothing. I even opened, the, it was a little trailer I was in. When I walked out, he's, he was gone. He, was, he disappeared, you know? And that was really odd to me. But I didn't think about it till later on, you know, when I, was, when I got saved, whatever. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, th- I would encourage, encourage the person to seek help, but in the process of seeking help, seek God. And give him a chance, and and I believe if you're if you open your heart up to him in your mind, he'll reveal himself to you in a personal way. Mm-hmm. You know.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Mama, for sharing your testimony. Um, if there are some of you out there who are listening and you can relate to my mom, um, I would take her advice and seek, of course, seek help. That's always good, but truly seek the Lord. I heard someone say a long time ago that the Lord is the hunger and He's the food. So if you're hungry and you're searching, he will give you the food to eat. He will meet you where you're at. So just have faith and pursue him and have hope. And if you need anything, of course, you can reach out to us. But thank you so much for tuning into this episode and have an amazing day.